what are your top five growth tips for new Twitch streamers? One, stop streaming on Twitch. Two, start posting on TikTok. The first thing I do when I wake up is post a TikTok video and then I post an Instagram reel and then I open up Twitter. I reply to some comments. I do that cycle literally in bed. If you can't sit through your own streams, if you can't watch your own videos, then it sucks and you need to fix it. I watched my VODs and almost puked at how boring and disgusting <laughs> they were. So I was getting like 40,000 followers a month just from posting oh three times a day back content. Yeah, I was fed the assumption that men would only like me if I was quiet and docile and submissive, which is not my actual personality. That's so wholesome. Like your chat helped you become a better person? You had success doing what people told you was the opposite of what men wanted. How do you think you got that way? Why are you so tough? <laughs> Bullying. Bullying. <laughs> <laughs> If I had to restart again from zero my entire TikTok career, I would... Welcome to Inside the Creator's Studio, an origin story podcast about the world's best video content creators. My name is Katie Kane. And my name is Mo O'Keefe. On today's episode, we have Kat Liente, a content creator from California who streams to Twitch and gives streaming advice on TikTok to over 500,000 followers. And we're going to talk to her about going full-time as a creator, how to grow on Twitch, and what it was like to manage social media for an esports team. This show is brought to you by StreamYard, a browser-based tool that lets you live stream to multiple platforms at the same time and record your podcast in studio quality. It's built for creators to make your life way easier. It's what we use to record this podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm Katie, and this is Mo, and um, we're five episodes in the bag now. This is our sixth episode, so we thought it would be fun if you guys got to know us a little bit more um, to lighten up. It's been really content-heavy, so just to chat a little bit um, and start the episode off, um, yeah, just kind of conversationally. Hi. Uh, my name is Mo <laughs> And uh, I am a content strategist at StreamYard. So I manage like the blog, the YouTube channel, and do we do a little bit of Reddit marketing as well? Mm. But yeah, that's me. And I'm Katie. I am the senior marketing coordinator here at StreamYard. Um, I am also an actor, a writer. I would consider myself a content creator, now a podcaster. Um, and yeah, I do a lot of video creation writing, web page creation, kind of all over the place, some social. Um, yeah. And now Mo and I have a podcast that is um, hosted by StreamYard, but we're interviewing a ton of creators and it's been really exciting. Um, I have no experience hosting a podcast. Mo has done some podcasts, not his own individually, but through other organizations. So um, I follow his lead a lot of the time. Um, but it's been really, really fun. And this episode, we just finished recording it. And honestly, it was a blast. There's so many great nuggets of information and ideas and advice from Kat Liente. Um, and she makes me want to post on TikTok three times a day now, which I is something know, she does. Right? I'm like, that's what I got from her. I was like, 
I can't okay, even post I, once I a day. Yeah, like it would be a violation if I didn't start a TikTok now, like after the level yeah. of inspiration I got from her. <laughs> I said this to you today. I'm like, you should do TikToks. It's overwhelming though. Yeah, for sure. It's overwhelming. But um, we're really excited for you guys to check out this episode. Um, we had a blast. She's so fun. Um, and there is super valuable advice for creators of all types in the episode. I will say that she is unapologetically herself, and that is so rare today. And yeah. it is, it's just really inspiring. Like from her sleep schedule all the way to like how she organizes her day and the type of content she, she creates and like all the stories and like toxic relationships she's left behind to become who she is today and how her chat helped her become like a better person. All yeah. of that is like super exciting. So like, I feel like our audience is going to love this. Yeah. Especially after last week with Mike Vardy talking about night owls. I mean, not kind of a spoiler, but here is like the night owl of night owls and she <laughs> makes it work and she's super successful. Um, yeah. It, it's a really fun conversation and I'm, I, I think there's going to be points in the video if you're watching the video version that you see me just like just entranced with what she's <laughs> saying. It's like so it's almost like she rehearsed it. It's it's just so insightful and really inspiring. And she's really young. I mean, she's a year older than me. Um, and she is doing great. So I'm so excited to see where her career goes because it's already really she's really taking off as it is. All right. So let's get to the episode. <laughs> Kat, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me. We're going to start off with some rapid fire questions. So try your best to keep your answers to a few sentences. If it goes longer, it, it goes longer. No big deal. The first one is what is your setup for this call? My setup for this call is pretty hefty. So I'm using um, a Sony ZV-1 for my camera. And then, well, I hooked it up to OBS to use OBS as a virtual camera so I can zoom it in a little bit because it's pretty like the camp, the lens is pretty wide. And then I have an Elgato key light and an Elgato key light air and two RGB floodlights from Amazon in my background to, you know, set up my lighting along with, you know, the signs that I have in the background. And the microphone is an Elgato Wave 3. Why did I blink for a second there? And it's one of the only 450 pink ones they released a year ago. Cool. What hobbies have you spent the most time on this year? Oh, God. I mean, if you count content creation as a hobby, it's both my hobby, my love, and my job. So that's definitely what I spent the most time on. Secondly is art, but I also sell art. So it is now also a job. But what time do you typically wake up and go to bed? <laughs> oh, God. Um, so I typically Tough question. Wake up, yeah, I typically wake up actually um, between 2 to 3 p.m. So this is actually early for me. I have to wake up at 12 for this. And I sleep at around 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, wow. True I night, night owl. owl. I am a night owl, yeah. We oh, were yeah. just talking to someone the episode before this um, mm -hmm. who is a productivity expert. Um, mm -hmm. And he was talking about night owls being misunderstood and his own um, routine as a night owl. And it was really interesting to hear all the research he knows about it. So Yeah, I would actually love to listen to that because everyone's always like, oh yeah, waking up early is like so good for you. But for people like me, like if you're a night owl, it's absolute hell waking. I, I did it for all of my childhood school years up until like when I was 18. Could not do it. It's yeah. just, I would just fall asleep in class during the day because I was just too tired. Yeah, I think now there's research that, <laughs> I'm like, um, <laughs> research that, it's not 
I don't know that, that you don't have to wake up early to be successful. And so many people are more successful if they're listening to their body clock. So we mm-hmm. talked to him a lot about that. It was really interesting. Um, cause I'm like kind of in the middle yeah, like full night owl, but definitely can't wake up really early or get out of bed really early. Yeah. The so. early risers are, they're built different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, literally like he was telling us that with performers, especially like, um, you know, athletes, actors, mm-hmm. musicians, a lot of times the time that they have to be on is at night, right? So it makes total sense. And I feel like streaming is similar to that in that a lot of it happens at night. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. Fair. Like, I mean, we can set our own schedules as streamers, right? But like, I always tell people, I always set my schedule at night. I've tried afternoon streaming. It's absolute hell. Like, I I literally look like you f- couldn't pay me a million bucks to be on stream at that moment. <laughs> like, because it, it just that's like what I normally wake up and I'm just trying to be live which takes a lot of energy like I'm yeah. just so much more awake and energized at night and so it only makes sense for me to stream at night and to work after I stream at night yeah and you probably have the bulk of your audience there too because if people have nine to fives mm-hmm. or I mean I guess you have an international audience but a bunch of people will view you in the evening so it only makes sense because you're catering to the audience mm-hmm. was it different when you were an employee like your schedule? Nope. I always streamed at night. Like, and it was actually, this is well, this is actually pretty bad. But um, <laughs> even when I was in school, like in college, I would just miss classes, like straight up. If it had to be, if the class was any earlier than 11 a.m., it's 50% chance I would actually know. It's about 100% chance I wouldn't show up. <laughs> and then for my job too, like, thankfully, I'm pretty lucky. And when I had a job with the Esports Org, I worked for, I worked for them for a year and a half. Um some meetings did have to be at 9 a.m. in the morning, but they were pretty flexible with as long as you got your tasks done. And if you didn't have a meeting at 9 a.m. in the morning, then it's okay if, you know, like you woke up at 10 for your 10 a.m. meeting, as long as you met everything and did everything you needed to do on time. Yeah. But it was it was pretty, pretty awful though. 10 a.m. is still really early for me. And I would like nap after work and then wake up in the middle of stream time. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, totally chaotic. Mm-hmm. What is your morning routine if you have one? Well, my afternoon routine. Is, my, bad, my bad, yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say <laughs> is I typically wake up like whenever my body naturally wakes me up. I've been really trying to be more conscious about getting more sleep because for literally my entire life I've been very sleep deprived because I have ADHD, so insomnia kind of goes hand in hand with that. So especially being forced to be an early riser, like it just meant that I was getting three hours of sleep a night, not by choice. I would lay there awake for like five hours and be like, this is great, man. Love my life right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I would wake up whenever my body wakes me up around 2 to 3 p.m. And then I typically lay in bed for 30 minutes. The first thing I do when I wake up is post a TikTok video and then I post an Instagram reel and then I open up Twitter and then I look at Twitter. And then I reply to some comments. So I do that cycle literally in bed at around 3 p.m. And then I get up, depending, it depends on whether it's a stream day or not a stream day. So if it's a day that I stream, then I'll typically do my makeup um, when I wake up to get ready to look nice, get dressed in something that looks, you know, decent on camera. So I'm not like straight up in PJs. And then I will film some TikTok videos or film a YouTube video. If I have a sponsorship deliverable, I will film that when the sun is still out. So the lighting is brighter in my room. And then I would go and stream. And then after I'm done streaming, I would film the bulk of my TikTok videos after I'm done streaming. And then I will go and download highlighted segments of my stream to then immediately edit right after I'm done streaming. So that's what I was doing yesterday. And sometimes um, if I was playing a game on stream, I might continue the game for a little bit off stream. But that's about it. And then I sleep at around 5 a.m. in the morning. Nice. And that's intense. So when you 
when you post TikTok as soon as you wake up, is that mm-hmm. something that you already had in your drafts or is it like it's a, a new... It's in my drafts. Oh, yeah. It's okay. already... I have like... I peaked at like 120 drafts, um, but now I'm at about 50 drafts in my TikTok right now. And then I just park them. I have Instagram real drafts too, but I woke up today and Instagram deleted all of them again. So they've been doing that, which is really annoying. I had like 30 videos in there and they're all gone. So I just got to put them back in there. I don't know why Instagram has been doing that, but I would just literally, it's like clockwork, like habit, wake up, post, post, and then go about my day. And then literally whatever I next remember, I post two more which is typically around 5, 6 p.m. Got it. Just to ask this really quickly, mm-hmm. is there a reason why you developed that method? I'm just interested because, I mean, sometimes people say waking up and then immediately looking at your phone is not great for your eyes, but in terms of like your schedule uh-huh. is, I wouldn't say abnormal, but it is a little bit different from like the working person. So mm-hmm. was there a reason you were like, I should post at the beginning of the day? Is it like a procrastination thing? Is it just like something you've just started doing and never stopped doing well i mean my eyes are already pretty bad so i wear glasses <laughs> so it, it's, it could uh, it is what it is you know it's not getting better so eh, whatever um but honestly it's because ideally you want to post once when your followers are like getting more active in mm-hmm. you know in your analytics and then once at your peak and then um or like around two around your peak but i because of my sleep schedule i wake up relatively late so my audience generally is already active at 11 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, so out of habit, it's just wake up and then post. But even when I was working a nine to five, where I was waking up at like 9 a.m. in the morning, it was still out of habit. Like wake up at 9 a.m., post immediately. Mm. That's I've been doing this for years. Yeah, interesting. It's literally, I went to Asia for, oh my God. I went to Asia for a month, still out of habit. Wake up, post. Even though given time zones, it's kind of like a little bit. It's almost like the opposite. Yeah. But it ended up like, you know, 11 a.m. in China is like 3 p.m. here. So it's not, wait, no, the math is not mathing right now. It's like, <laughs> anyways, I, I forgot yeah. the time zone conversions right now, but it was close enough to where it was still reasonable to post in the U.S. So I would post mm. once the moment I wake up and then through the rest of the day in Asia, I couldn't post because it was nighttime in the U.S. And then once at like 8 p.m. and then once at like close to midnight, I would post. And that would be my three posts that would actually hit like morning, noon and night roughly in the US. Got it. Yeah, I think it's like, at least I'm in New York, me and Mm -hmm. Mo are in the same time zone. It's like 12 or 13 hours. So it probably is like 15 or 16 hours for you. I don't know exactly. It's about, um, well, depending daylight savings, it's like you you subtract three and then you flip the day. Something like that. So it's like, if it's 11, it would be 8 p.m. When I'm posting, if it's 11 a.m. in China, something like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That I, I went to China and I was like totally disoriented for like three <laughs> days. So I bet you felt even worse because that's even a more intense time difference. Wait, where in China did you go? I went to Shanghai. Oh, I'm like my family's from there. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was oh, really, really awesome. cool. Yeah. I went, um, I went for like a week and I was talking Mm -hmm. to someone recently. I'm like, we should have gone for two weeks because just as we were getting used to it, it was like, okay, we got to leave now. Yeah. No, because the time zone like Fs you up really badly. If Uh you're going to go, you might as well stay there for a while. (laughs) I know. Seriously. It was crazy. It was really, we were like falling asleep. I was in a show. I'm an actor as well. And when I was falling asleep, like in the middle of rehearsal, I've never been so tired. It was crazy. Oh my God. But that must have been so fun though. I love yeah. Shanghai. It's so amazing. It oh. was really cool. Mo, you should go. 
The food's oh, amazing. Yeah, vouch. The food for is sure. so freaking good. And it's so Chinese cheap food in there. the US can't compare. Yeah, definitely mm. not. Definitely not. No, it's awesome. Okay, totally off track, but <laughs> no, 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 no worries. This is yo, Kat, I think this is like the most conversational episode we have had so far. We're 10 minutes in and like oh, really? this is so fun. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I mean I could talk a lot, so yeah, we love that. But I'm the same way. Rapid fire, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> no worries." Yeah, I'll find it, try to be fast. No, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we're doing the rapid fire at the beginning because it gives us mm-hmm. so many like threads to like pull on later, and also like if one of them is really interesting, we can dive in right away, like we mm. just did. So like, no worries. Yeah, awesome. Totally. Last one is what is your go to boba order? Holy crap! A jasmine green <laughs> milk tea with boba, fifty percent sugar, less ice. I was going to ask if I was going to see if you're going to say the sugar. Yeah. Because that's I, important. I, I always got a hundred. And then I started getting a little concerned for my health due to <laughs> the fact that I get one a day and I'll get a large with a hundred percent sugar. And that's just a lot of sugar. So I started cutting back to where I still can't give up my one boba a day. So generally I get about six bobas a week. So there'll be one day in a week where I might not get it, but it's a might. Um, I cut back to like 75% sugar and then now I cut back to 50% sugar and I've been starting to get regulars instead of larges. So I'm, I'm trying to do better for my health. It's hard. I can't give it up. I can't. It's like a drug, like honestly. What milk but do you use? I'm lactose intolerant, but I get regular milk. But I started, I started getting oat milk recently because the only, the only other thing is some drinks, they use like the way they make the drink, it's not tea plus milk. It's straight milk plus something else. So it's like milk plus brown sugar. I actually don't like it if the drink is like that because it's so heavy in milk. So mm-hmm. for those drinks, I started getting oat milk because it's lighter. Because mm-hmm. I like I like a drink that is more tea than milk, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Like I'm where a the tea flavor is more common. drinker too. I don't Ooh, drink it six times drink? a week. I wish. <laughs> Katie, what's I your wish. order? Um, I would say it depends on my mood, but mm. I am a taro person. Me I would too. Say, oh, I, was I love say taro, the same thing. and I oh. only do oat milk because after I started having matcha with oat milk, if I have matcha with regular milk, I'm like it just tastes like grass. I literally got a matcha drink yesterday with oat milk because it was just matcha and milk, and it's like it's so heavy if it's yeah. just straight milk and matcha. Yeah, I mean, I drink I drink tea like three times a day. So if it's, oh. if it's not, you can see my cup is really like stained for whatever mm. reason. Um, cute little Campbell's <laughs> soup cup. Um, so I would say taro or taro. Um, I get, if I'm asked about sugar, I'll do 50%. Mm. And if I can do extra um, tapioca, I will. And I also do less ice. I hate having too much ice. Yeah. But I also do lychee if I'm in like a non-milk mood mm. and I'll do lychee tea and then i'll do like the half sugar and extra pearls but i'll always get a large i think i think you gotta do the large gotta do the large You're convincing me wait if you guys are in manhattan have you guys been to machi machi i'm in new york um hmm. mo is in canada but i oh. have not where is it oh machi machi is in it's in manhattan it's in k-town there's one okay so if you like taro they have a different topping, which is taro balls. So it's like boba balls with the same texture, but it's made of taro instead. <sighs> it's my favorite topping. Machi Machi makes it the best. Oh my they God, I gotta go. 
I'm so jealous because they don't have it on the West Coast here. Machi Machi is in Van- well, I guess in Vancouver, and they have it in Manhattan. Those are the two places I found it. Oh my god, I gotta it's go. It's so good. I recommend it. I haven't had boba in so long. I'm like writing it down in my hand. Yeah, I get never the taro balls. Me. You would love oh, it. Do you get it with taro? Okay, so I actually don't like taro in a drink. For some reason, oh, like the drink mm-hmm. version of taro, I don't like it. But I really like the taro balls. Like somehow the mm. the like mm. flavor of it with the same texture. It has a very dense texture, like boba, but a little bit denser. Mm-hmm. So good. But they don't. They make it in China. They make it in China, mm-hmm. and it's so good in China. And if that was the first place I had the taro balls in China in a drink in the West Coast. In California, there is only one place that makes it, but it's so soft, which is not how it's supposed to be. I don't know how they make it like that, but that's I'm so jealous because it's my favorite topping. I like that topping even more than tapioca balls, actually. Oh, my God. I have to try it. Oh, you yeah. know what I had in China that's on the same plane as this? I had I went to McDonald's and I had a taro pie instead of yeah, an apple have pie the little, the little taro the taro um, little like apple pies with the taro version <laughs> it was crazy it was purple i was like oh my yeah. god mo you gotta go to china again Hard i love going to mcdonald's yeah i love going to mcdonald's in different countries it's so weird oh same my family makes like a whole trip out of it like every time we went to thailand have to go to mcdonald's go to yeah. paris have to go to mcdonald's yeah because the, like, the little changes are just mm-hmm. really interesting that is so cool. Okay. <laughs> I also have ADHD, so this yeah. is making a lot of sense. <laughs> I know. It's like we're just getting derailed over here on the side. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, Mo, let's continue. Let's go. <laughs> okay, let's jump right into it. Kat, when you decided to quit your dream esports job to go full-time on content creation, what were the emotions you were feeling? And were there any conversations you had with people in your life that either like helped you make this decision or made you feel more confident about it? Like this could be a friend, a man, a, a f- your family member or a manager or something. Oh God, that was a really tumultuous point in my life. Honestly, there was, um, sorry, I do have to burp. I ate a whole bunch of fried chicken. Right You're before fine. This, so. Burping is allowed. It's, it's stuck. I hate it when it like, doesn't come Oh no. Dude, That's the fried the chicken was so good. It was like honey, soy, garlic. So Ooh. amazing. But I'm paying the price for it now. Um, but yeah, it was honestly a really tumultuous time for me because I'm trying to figure out how much I can say. But basically, I was at a crossroads where I really wanted to stay with the job because I've always wanted to work in esports. It was one of those like pipe dreams, you know, where like I was in college, I was heavily involved in esports in college. I played on our league, one of our League of Legends teams. So I, I managed, I played on it for two years. I managed the team for a year, year. I only went to college for three years. So there's only three years in this history. But um, I was the graphic designer for another gaming club, just a general gaming club. And then I also taught a game design course at Berkeley. So I was very, what? very interested Dude, in games and esports. So Thank cool. you. I did the art for it. So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how to code. I took one coding class, but I like was teaching art for game design. Um, so it was really fun. And so I really wanted to work in esports and I didn't know how to get in because getting into the industry is really hard. So luckily, um, the senior social media producer at the time at Dick took a chance on me and brought me in as an intern. I'm eternally grateful to him. He's no longer there. He's, um, he went to like a different company, but, um, so I had this job and I love doing it and it was so fun. I got to see the behind the scenes of esports. I'm like a really nosy person and I love hands-on experience. So 
that job was perfect because I got to see the behind the scenes. I got to experience it. And I was like living it up every day. But then I kind of reached a point where like every day where I had to wake up to go do my work, I just had, I felt my heart get pulled in a different direction where I was like, man, but I could be like making this content for myself. I could be making this for myself. I'd be like just daydreaming about my own content when I wasn't supposed to, but you know, you can't help where your brain kind of wanders to. And it was kind of the same feeling that I had in college because I went to college for biology. So I graduated with a bio degree, but I just, rem- I just remember sitting in a physics discussion and I was sitting there and the TA was lecturing on about some physics topic that I don't care about because I don't really like physics. And I just remember sitting there and daydreaming and I was like, damn, I just don't want to be here, bro. I just want to be able to like work in esports. It would be so nice to have an esports job. What can I do in esports though? Like I don't, I don't do any videography or anything. So it was kind of the same feeling that I had in college, just less resentful because I really resented physics. But I was like, I really just, my heart is being pulled in a different direction. But and I had so many conversations with my boyfriend about this. He's a pro league player who actually plays for the same team that I worked for. But um, we got brought on at the same time, which is actually really funny. But um, I had so many conversations with him where I was like, I'm really scared that if I were to leave now, then my esports career is over. Because esports as an industry is very like who you know. And it's easier to get a job. Well, it's already really hard to get a job in esports because of the insanely high demand. But it's much easier to get a job when you're already in the industry. When you work for a company, you can get a referral versus you're just some rando on the internet that really wants an esports job. So I was very worried that if I left my job, that I would never be able to get back into esports. And I had a lot of conversations with my boyfriend about it, where I was like, I was always just kind of, I was not sure if I wanted to continue with esports because there was so much about esports that I loved. And there was also aspects of it I didn't like. And there was so much I wanted to do with my own content. And I just kind of had a realization where I was like, oh my God, one day I'm going to blink. I'm going to open my eyes and it's going to be four years later and I'm going to be in the same spot and I'm going to be regretting not doing anything with my content and not giving it the full shot that I think it deserves. And I had been, I had full-time content created in the past, but it was in like a window area because I graduated from college in three years instead of four. And I'm really lucky in which my parents paid for my college, but there kind of was like the immigrant parent mentality because they're both from Shanghai and immigrated to the U.S. where they're like, we're going to provide our kid with everything they need to enter the adult world as a functioning adult because they neither of them had it. And so it was their mission to pay for my college, which I'm eternally grateful to this day. But because I graduated a year early and I saved them a lot of money by doing it, they were willing to let me full-time content create and just live at home for six months. Interesting. Because, yeah, because they were like, you know, you... Like, and I was trying to sell them on it too, because I was like, I would have been in school for another year, but because I finished early, I'm basically getting a head start. So you should let me go and take this risk because I would have been in school if I didn't choose to graduate early. So I could try to go full-time content. So they let me, and then I got the esports job. So I moved on to LA, but so that was kind of like the really long-winded, but it was, I was very all over the place about my decision, but coming to the realization and especially it helped talking with other people um that I can't remember off the top of my head like any particular conversations but I just remember like talking with people and they're saying yeah like I'm 26 now and I've been working here for five years and what am I doing with my life and I was like oh because at the time I was 22 so I was like well I'm not trying to do that so what if I just 
leave. <laughs> yeah. Oof. It's a big risk, but it's yeah. definitely paid off and it's really exciting. Um, my original question is, um, how did you gain the confidence to start streaming in the first place? But I guess we could say more, how did you gain confidence to um, start content creating? Maybe not even like taking it super seriously, but mm-hmm. taking it at least a little bit seriously to the point where you knew you could um, full time with it at a certain period. And then later when you did it, um, totally full time. Um, because I think with streaming, it can be super daunting to not have a response, like an immediate sort of, I mean, you have comments, but I guess it is different to not be looking at somebody else and not be talking Mm -hmm. face to face, but, um, sort of speaking to the void and hoping someone will comment. Um, so how did you gain the confidence to start doing that? Well, I started streaming December 2018, so I am going on almost five years of streaming wow. now, which is really crazy to think about. But um, I dated somebody that was a Twitch streamer, so they weren't a big streamer, but they were maybe like 10 average viewers, but they like to think they were big, so kudos to them. Um, but we dated, and they were a streamer, and they told me they were like, and after, when I dated them, I had already streamed once. So by that point, but that one stream terrified the living crap out of me. So I had no equipment. So I literally streamed with like the crappy computer that I had with a GTX 760 that I streamed on for actually a year after that. But um, I used my phone. I downloaded a free webcam app, hooked it up to my computer. The webcam app only lasted for 15 minutes. So the webcam like died later, but (laughs) I like precariously balanced it on the set of plastic drawers I had from Walmart. And that was my stream setup. And I hit up my friend because I have this like friend group of really close friends and I have known most, I have known three of them for, since I was in kindergarten. And the fourth one is my best friend. I met her in college. So I hit them up. Wait, no, I cannot. Yeah. Okay. But I hit one of them up, one that I knew was a degenerate that is always online. And I was like, <laughs> I am going to go try my first Twitch stream. I am so scared. I don't want to be alone. Can you hop in a Discord call with me and we can, can we play just like one game of League together? And that's what we did. Like we hop in a Discord call. I hit go live. I was terrified. I streamed uh, one game of League and I was so scared. I ended stream immediately after and almost cried. So I never streamed. I didn't stream again after that. And then I started dating the guy who was a streamer. And he was like, you know, Kat, like you'll do well on Twitch. You look like an ABG and you know, like, people like that you, you'll get viewers and i was like 18 so i was dumb and i didn't know any better so i was like ah, okay you know like stupidly going along with it like whatever but i started streaming and it was really helpful to have somebody that kind of already knew the space so he would be in my chat he would like talk to me my friends i would always tell them the my og friend group i'd be like guys i'm live can you like please please come mm-hmm. so some of them would kind of like be in chat and like talk to me here or there. So I wouldn't be lonely. I would always stream and call with people like mainly those friends so that I wouldn't be alone so that there would always be people. But then after a while, like I broke up with that person because they were being toxic and I still really love streaming. So I kept going with it. And then I remember it was like 2019. And so this is like maybe seven, eight months into streaming. I was like, I want to make it a a true thing so i set a stream schedule and i was like really diligent in sticking to the stream schedule it was like friday saturday 7 p.m and i was streaming for two hours and i remember i would leave like social gatherings i was at because i was like oh i have to go stream now and people were like 
oh, that's so cute. <laughs> You're going to be like an e-girl league streamer. Yeah, go talk to your simps or something. And I was kind of like, whatever. <laughs> then, you know, I'm going to my thing. I was stuck at three average viewers the entire time. And I remember being so demoralized sometimes because you would be finished streaming and you'd look at the analytics and it say three viewers. And I was like, oh. And people are always like, oh my God, Kat, like you had three viewers. Like I had none. My three viewers were my freaking friends just lurking me it was not any actual <laughs> new people it was just those three people lurking me all the time which i'm super grateful for. and like i guess two of them because one of them was just me you know having my stream tabbed and chat or whatever but that, that was because i only streamed on one monitor for a hot minute so yeah that was what i was rocking with and then so then I was like streaming after after giving that a full like effort and being stuck at three viewers for a couple months. I was like, dude, I'm done with this. Like, I'm I'm done. So I would just stream on and off. And then COVID hit. So I did pick it back up in COVID. And the reason that COVID allowed me to do it was because um, of my college. So I had taken a buttload of classes like every single semester. So by the time COVID rolled around, I had enough credits to where I could take the rest of my classes to graduate for um, pass, no pass, which means not for grade. As long as I got a C or higher, it would say pass on my G on my transcript and it wouldn't count towards my GPA. So I had enough credits to where I could just take literally the rest of my technicals like that. So that's what I did. I just took all my technicals <laughs> as pass, no pass. And I was streaming and I was just pulling straight C's in all my classes. <laughs> if my parents ever see this, they're going to be so sad. But um, I knew that I didn't want to do bio anymore. So I knew that the bio was only going to be a short-lived thing so I could get the piece of paper to make my immigrant parents happy. Um, so I have a mentor and I told her, I was like... I am done streaming. This was in maybe like July. I just started using TikTok in July, 2020. I told her, I was like, I'm done streaming. I love to stream. It's not worth my time. I've streamed so much and I still have at three average viewers. Like nothing has changed. It's not worth the effort. But then I started using TikTok and I would just post League of Legends skits on there. I was literally a League skit creator. Um, and I made a lot of friends who are also League skit creators and they also had streams and they were bigger than me. They were like 20, 30 average viewers. But it wasn't because of the size. It was just because I thought they were genuinely funny as hell so I wanted to be friends with them. So then I was like just gung-ho on a whim in August, end of August. I was like, I'm going to stream again. YOLO. I started streaming and because of TikTok, because I made a bunch of friends, because people found me from TikTok, I had 12 viewers. And I was like, oh, mm. I've never seen double digits on this thing in my life. <laughs> like, this is insane. <laughs> So after that stream, I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, I love this. And then I immediately clicked to me. I was like, whoa, wait. I started posting a TikTok. I was posting every day, literally just for fun because I had so much fun doing the League of Legends skits. And I had like 2,000 followers on TikTok and that was the most followers I've ever had on a social media platform. So I was like, okay, I've gained all those followers on TikTok. All these people are saying they found me on TikTok. That must be the secret magic sauce, right? Like I started using TikTok, my Twitch viewers grew. I'm gonna keep using TikTok. And my Twitch viewers kept growing. So I was like, ooh, this is this is working. So I also realized that I needed to fix my stream really badly. And I realized that I had the misconception that I just hit go live and call it a day. That was not, and I, I literally had the thought process. I was like, well, I'm like a relatively cute girl, so I should get viewers. And that was such a bad mindset to have. And it was literally, I was so ignorant. It was literally my ex feeding me all that stupid info. And I was like eating it up because I just didn't know any better. And I was just not doing any second research myself. And I was just taking everything he said at face value. So I like want to like slap my 18 year old self for thinking like that. But so then it is what it is. I started doing things to improve yeah. my stream. I, you know, 
fix some equipment issues. I watched my vods and almost puked at how boring and disgusting <laughs> they were. So I was trying to make myself more entertaining, more funny. I would watch other streamers and steal their It's jokes. working, by the way. You're <laughs> so funny. Thank you. I like to think I'm funny, but uh, that could just be me and my, my little demons in my head telling me that. But <laughs> I started, you know, like, oh, wow, I need to fix my lighting because uh, this giant ceiling light, you know, shining a light on my forehead makes me look like I have a landing strip here. Like, mm, maybe I shouldn't do that. So fixed a lot of things about my stream, made it look better. I got more viewers. I started posting more on TikTok, got more people coming in. I was like, oh, this is doing really well. And I feel like everyone is always on this pinnacle. Every content creator who has grown is at this, there's like a crossroads for you where either it's like you make or break kind of. And that crossroads is around 40 to 50 average viewers when you're around maybe a a decent sized following on TikTok. At the time, I had 8,000 and I was still in school. Um, I was, yeah, no, I had one more semester left in school. And I was like, dude, I'm kind of stuck. I'm plateaued. I don't, how do I get beyond this? And then I was like, okay, two realizations that I had at that point. I was like, I'm going to keep doing what works. And I'm going to do what other people can't do. So what worked was people kept asking me, okay, can you, can you teach me how to stream? Like you grew so much in such a short window. You went from six, like six, three average viewers, six average viewers to 50 in four months. So how do I do that? So I started making videos and I love helping people. I love teaching people again. Like I taught game dev. I've been teaching people for a lot of stuff my entire life. I was a tutor in high school. So that's something I'm really passionate about. I started making videos explaining like how you can, you know, improve your stream. And each video I made blew up every single one of it, like literally 100K views per video. And I was like, oh, this is insane. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do what other people can't do. And that is like insanely output content. So I was like three times a day. That's it. So starting December, 2020, I've literally been posting three times a day since then, because that's just some like, BS level output that a lot of people can't do. But I was like, I'm willing to do it. So it's okay. And it paid off because I was growing insanely on TikTok. I was getting a lot of followers per month. Like I went from 8,000 to 40,000 in December and then 40,000 to, I was getting like 40,000 followers a month just from posting oh three times a day back content. Yeah. It got me partnered on Twitch too. So I went from 50 average viewers to 120 in one month from December to January. December 2020 to January 2021, I made that massive. I literally like was at 50 average viewers the entire time. So December, all of December to half of January, 50 average viewers. And I was getting really discouraged. I was like, dude, my TikTok is doing really well. So why is no one coming over here? And then one day I opened up my Twitch stream. I literally remember it was like January 16th, 2021. I opened up my Twitch stream and my chat is flooded. And I'm like, what? why is it so fast? And I had my viewer account hidden. So I had no idea how many people were there. Mm. And I was just trying to respond to everybody because I was trying to read everyone's name, say every message. It was flooded. I was like responding, responding, responding. Took me two hours to catch up with chat. And then somebody was like, Kat, you have 160 viewers. And I have the clip of me freaking the hell out. 165? Because before that, 50 was my peak before that so i was like huh that's huge and after that stream i was laying in bed and i was literally like starfishing in bed like blanking out <laughs> at the sky i was like dude what happened in that stream i have no idea i'm so con- where did these 160 people come from why did i jump from like 50 to 160 peak so it was like 120 average but still i was like why did i jump from 50 to 120 and like a day what what changed literally yesterday there was 50 people and I was so scared because I was like, what if these people don't come back? Like this jump was insane. 
And I don't know if it's people had come back. And then the next time I streamed, they were back. And I was like, oh. And then they just stayed and I got partnered after that. And wow. That was that. Yeah. But then the next spin, the next step was to monetize. Because no matter how many viewers you have, if you can't make money, you can't do it full time. You know? So... Then it was that whole journey of like, okay, how do I monetize? Well, I was making pretty good money, well, decent money on Twitch back then. I was making like at least like maybe like thirteen hundred a month off Twitch, um, through subs and stuff like that. So I had that income coming in, and then I was doing sponsors here or there. I opened up my Etsy shop, um, July twenty twenty, June June twenty twenty, or sorry, June twenty twenty one. I'm getting all the months, the days confused, but. That was bringing in me, bringing me in good income, and that was like one of a. It was like on a whim too. So even as a kid, like young, being young, growing up, I was always watching these like finance videos, and everyone's like passive income, passive income, and I was like, I need passive income, and I really like this, this again, like eighteen year old me being being whatever. So I was like all throughout college, I was really trying to like find streams of passive income, but um they don't tell you is passive income is one not passive and two you typically you typically need money to start a stream of passive income and i didn't have money because i was broken in college so um i didn't have much but then so every time there was like an opportunity that came around that i thought was good i hopped on it Redbubble, i was like oh my god yes i'm gonna sell with it i still they still send me a check for like 30 dollars a month which is like some boba so i'll take it but you know, I haven't touched that website in about five years. So four years, maybe. I was trying that for a while. And then um, I tried a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, try passive income, this, that. And then people, I saw some TikToks about like, sell digital goods on Etsy. And I was like, well, that's what I was trying to do on Redbubble. I'm gonna try it on Etsy anyways. Like YOLO, let's see how this could be. Tried it, open up the store. I was selling Twitch emotes and overlays and stuff like Twitch art. I still sell it to this day. Well, so it was successful, which is why I still do it. But that was getting sales. And in my first month, I got like $700 from it. And I was like, for a call, I had just graduated college by then. So I had graduated college and then immediately opened up the Etsy shop because I was like, I am so broke. Like, this is, my parents are going to be mad at me because I have no job prospects. So I need, I need something happening. So I opened up the Etsy shop and the month after that, it was like a thousand something. And I was like, oh, and then the month after that, it was like 3000. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna keep this momentum going. Let's go. So I had Etsy, I had Twitch, and then I was getting some sponsors here and there. But I was making like a couple hundred dollars from it, which is great, but it's not enough money to convince your parents that it's viable to do full time. <laughs> so I had a lot of fights with my parents about it. A lot of fights. But in the end, like I was able to get the sponsorship income up. I was able to like diversify my income portfolio. And they were more comfortable with me doing it full time. And then I got a job, so it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> wow that's so crazy (laughs) no I mean it's amazing it's really really cool and I think there's so many similar stories of people in COVID getting on TikTok and like you don't really know what's going to happen and sometimes you had it just right like if you told me during COVID that this stupid little app was going to change my life I'd be like you dumb I downloaded TikTok (laughs) because I wanted to make cringe couple compilations of pictures of my boyfriend and I and I wanted it to be vertical (laughs) and I didn't know how to edit videos so the only app that like could do that was Musical.ly but Musical.ly like died and became TikTok so I was like I was refusing to download TikTok because I was like this app is so stupid it's cringe but then I was like I want a vertical I want to edit cringe videos of my boyfriend and I because all our pictures are vertical so I downloaded TikTok and like was uploading those pic- those those compilations in private so only I could see it so I could download it just so I could get those stupid slideshows. That's why I downloaded it in the first place. Wow. 
That is so wild. What a <laughs> what a change. I know. What a crazy path. No, it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's been a whirlwind. Like, <laughs> yeah, if you told an 18-year-old me that I'd be a full-time content creator, I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean we didn't go down the doctor route that we said we do for like freaking 18 years? Mm. So yeah. when, when it comes to your TikTok growth, then if I could summarize, like from zero to 8K was the league skits yes. and then up to 500K and like now you're above 500K, it was like three times a day stream advice. Yes. And then I'm curious if you were to restart from zero today, like, is there anything you would do differently? Oh, that's a really good question. If I had to restart again from zero my entire TikTok career, I would start posting three times a day from the get-go because I already know what videos would do well. I already know what videos wouldn't do well. And well, uh, I would identify a gap in the industry that I could fill. So at the time, I identified that the gap was streaming advice. Nobody was making content that was... No, that was, you know, making all this information transparent. Sorry, there is a spam call. I'm going to get rid of this guy. <laughs> so I just saw, looked down and I said telemarketer. I was like, telemarketer. I was like, what? Um, like identifying a gap in the industry that I could fill. So back then I quickly identified that the gap was streamer education. People wanted to know how to start streaming. It was so popular during COVID and nobody was telling you how to get started. Nobody was telling you like, hey, here are five things that I didn't know about Twitch streaming that I think you should know. Nobody made content like that. So I filled that gap in the industry. Now, there's a lot of people who do the, those types of videos, including myself. But there was another gap that I identified, which is like financial transparency among creators. So I started making videos about that too. So, And those videos all do well because no one talks about it. It's scary to talk about how much money you make, but I talk about it. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, so like it's just identifying a gap in the industry that you can fill and then solidifying your foothold in there and showing your personality in your videos. So I would have also talked in my videos more. I did not talk back then. And also I was very insecure about the way that I spoke. So I didn't really want to talk in the videos. And so I was always like holding myself back in my early videos. I always like my personality has never changed as a person. But if you saw my videos, it's like a shell of a person because I was like so scared to be out there and to be loud because my entire life I was told that as a girl, you should be more quiet. And like, why are you so loud and boisterous and tomboyish? And I was like, you know, so everyone was always like, telling me, oh, don't be yourself, you know, do, 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 do. So I just, I, I believed it and I shouldn't have believed it, but I would have changed that as well. So when you say you were insecure about the way you speak, you mean it was about that part, like the being loud part? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I talk very fast and Got then it. I also talk very loudly and I'm pretty high energy as a person. And like a lot of people in my life were always telling me, you're too high energy, like you're too much for me to handle. And like, so I was fed the assumption that men and other people in general would only like me if I was quiet and docile and submissive, which is not my actual personality. Mm -hmm. So I you, like was showing that in stream yeah. too. Okay. And how did you like overcome that? And like, I mean, first of all, you identified this like script that was like ruling your life and then you actually mm -hmm. addressed it. Like, how did you do this? Um, it was kind of like a couple, I do a lot of introspection. So I kind of, uh, kind of had a realization where I was like, bro, why, why am I listening to all these people that don't pay me money? 
Like <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah. <laughs> that was one, right? I-, I would only listen to you if you're like buying me boba or like, you know, you're putting money in my pocket. Otherwise I don't really care. Um, and secondly, also when I started to be more true to myself, it was res- viewers were responding positively. People were like, oh my God, Kat, I love you as a person. Like I, I could see you like being my friend. Like, and I was like, oh, I've never really gotten positive feedback for being like this. So this is really interesting to see. And people were saying like, oh, I love to see like somebody who looks and acts just like me. And I was like, so hearing all of that, as a side note, validated that I was making the right choice. That's so wholesome. Like your chat helped you become a better person. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's really crazy too, because I think what you were fed by your ex-boyfriend in a way was... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but on Twitch, you would be catering to a predominantly male audience. Oh, yeah. No, for so, sure. Yeah. So you had success doing what people told you was the opposite of what men wanted, mm-hmm. which is wild. If you really, th- I mean, it's totally, it makes sense. I mean, I'm a woman, I've been told the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's so funny to really be able to prove those people wrong. You're like, oh, I actually am getting success in the opposite way. And uh, you told me that the target audience that I'm reaching is not going to appreciate this. Well, now Mm. you have the stats. Exactly. It's really cool. And it's so interesting because my gender breakdown was very predominantly men back then, especially when I first started using TikTok. Because again, like I didn't know how to not create or how to create content for the female gaze. I only knew how to do things for the male because I this is like a whole deeper thing. But Like, I feel like as a woman growing up in this society, right, you're just taught that you're supposed to appeal to the male gaze and that's it. I didn't have any female role models, like not in my life, but just like streamers that I could see back then that I knew of that um, generally really made content for the female gaze. I haven't. And this was also because I was ignorant and I didn't bother to look beyond like the the little fishbowl that I knew and what I was told. And I was just told, you know, hey, look at these streamers, like they're making content for the male gaze and they're female. And that's the only female, like, like big streamers that I'm just going to show you and that I've seen. So therefore I was like, well, this must be true, right? I have not seen a female creator make content for the female gaze or just, you know, that could make something different and be successful. And I hadn't seen it. So therefore I was like, it's not possible. But I also like they exist and I didn't bother to go look for it either. So it definitely is also fault on me. But after like changing up my content, make realizing that, oh, yeah, I don't need to appeal to the male gaze to like actually be a successful creator that I could change my content. My audience is predominantly female now. Like on TikTok, I literally just checked yesterday. It's like 66% female. It's been going wow. down. Which I'm about. It was like 70 like 2% at one point, which I was really happy about. Um, but right, my Instagram is like 60% female as well. So yeah. my audience is predominantly female, which I'm really happy about. And I don't know, I, I also hope that I could at least maybe be a role model to other like young girls who are maybe like, oh, I want to be a content creator. What possible routes can I go down, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, you, this is one way that you could do it. Hopefully I can motivate people. That'd be cool. No, that's really amazing. And it's really exciting to see um, that you realize that. And now you feel like you can pay it forward, especially because you said you like to teach. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's huge. That's huge going forward. Um, For a content creation beginner, 
How would you explain how to approach creating content on Twitch versus creating content on TikTok? Mm, I would say that um, if you're creating content on Twitch, all of your streams, in my opinion, should link back to something. So you should start every stream with a plan of what content you're going to make out of the stream. The purpose of your streams is to milk content for other platforms and to engage with your community. Those are the two purposes. Too many people, I feel like, are like, I'm going to hit play in Valorant and queue up a game and hope something happens. And you're not going to get content if you just like queue games over and over again and pray something cool happens. But if you open up your Twitch stream and you're like, okay, I am going to play Valorant, but I'm going to look up a list of um, funny Riz, Rizzy Valorant jokes. And I'm just going to tell the people in voice comms every game. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask you know hey do you want to hear a Valorant pickup line and then whatever they say if they say yes I'll tell them a pickup line if they say no I'll be very sad but it's okay we'll move on <laughs> you know now you're gonna get content out of every stream I do that with my streams like some streams I'll do a streamer Q&A where I'll open up a Google form and then have people submit into the Google form and I will just answer your stream questions every question I answer is like a clippable moment for TikTok so it's going into Twitch with a strategy. And in terms of making content on TikTok, on other platforms, you're, think of your target audience. Your target audience is a 14-year-old kid who likes Fortnite and Among Us with ADHD and a goldfish attention span. So how are you going to make this video appeal to this 14-year-old kid? How are you going to make this video watchable for him? Well, of course, you know, the intro needs to be snappy, cool, fun, maybe some meme sound alerts, some big things that pops up. Um, subway surfers maybe to grab their attention you always have to change something up but I think it also helps that I fall into the exact target demographic <laughs> that I'm describing so it's like well if I would find this video boring a lot of people on TikTok most likely would also find mm. this video boring so if and that's the biggest thing overall if you can't sit through your own streams if you can't watch your own videos then it sucks and you need to fix it because humans are narcissistic and if you can't even watch yourself then no one else will watch you it's really great advice Thank you. Um, that was a realization that I came with because <laughs> I couldn't sit through my old streams. I thought it was so boring too. Well, I think it's hard if you're starting out. And like you said, you were sort of plateauing with people who mm -hmm. were following you and you were um, asking your friends to come in and comment and sit through it. I mean, yeah. for lack of a better term. Um, so if you're thinking that you're boring and you're almost being in a way validated by your audience not increasing, of course you're mm -hmm. going to feel that way. So it's good that you change things up because then you did see um, the fruit of your labor, mm -hmm. I guess. I um, think one yeah. thing that I do really well that a lot of people should do is like removing your personal feelings from like objectively observing yourself and your content and your numbers. Mm. Cause like, it's not, you know, at the end of the day, if a video flops, like, sure, it kind of sucks that I put a lot of effort and flop, but oh, well, I'll just make another one. Like, it is yeah. what it is, you know? Like, oh, if my streams are really boring, well, okay, I just need to talk more. Like, I feel like it's a lot of people get in their head about it where they take it very personally. They're like, people hate me, and that's why they don't want to watch me. Da, 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 da. Like, that's why. But if you remove all personal feeling, it's just you didn't talk more. If you talk more, people will watch, you know? It's nothing against you as a person. It's just the format, the delivery is what needs to be changed. And it's not you as a core person that is the issue. And I think like removing personal feelings from it lets you take a more objective view on how you should improve your content and move forward. That's amazing advice as well. That's huge. I feel like looking at something as a third person mm -hmm. and being able to view it and be objective about it. Because I think a lot of times people 
aren't looking at you and saying, oh, they did this. I hate them for that. They're they're actually critiquing the things that are working and the things that aren't working within the video. No, that's amazing advice. Um, what are your top five growth tips for new Twitch streamers? Stop streaming on, well, one, stop streaming on Twitch. Two, start posting on TikTok. <laughs> um, that's so see. funny. Yeah, no, actually, the like so many people are like, I'm just going to stream seven days a week and I'm going to stream for 10 hours a day. I'm like, holy crap, that is the biggest waste of 70 hours of your week that you could possibly do. Like, this, don't do this, guys, please. Literally, stream twice a week. Don't stream more than like two, three hours per stream. Every single stream should have a purpose, okay? And all of that extra time that you would have used towards streaming, this goes into our point two, start making TikTok content. And you're going to go and explore your content. So this is going to be so, I feel like I'm going to try to explain it in a way that's easy to grasp, but you want to niche down, but you want to explore within your niche. So you don't want to shit post across the board. I don't want to see like, you know, one Valorant clip, one cooking video, and then one book review because no one's going to follow you. Your account's too all over the place. If you choose gaming as your pillar, as your like niche, okay, let's stick within gaming. You Or let's be a little bit more specific. Like, let's say you choose Pokemon. Cool. Let's only do things within the Pokemon realm. If you choose art, okay, we're going to go, let's be a little bit more specific. Digital art, okay? Let's stick with digital art. But let's explore within that, okay? So then point number three is you're going to go and make a whole bunch of different videos in the same small little category that we just picked. And we're going to see which videos do well. So you're going to make for, let's say, digital art, because I do a lot of art. You're going to do speed paints. You're going to do storytelling with speed paints over it. You're going to do art critiques, where you're going to critique other people's art with consent, of course. And then maybe you can do some of those fun, like, you know, I if I were to redesign the Pepsi logo, this is what I would do. And do your little redesigns of um, this logo. Um, maybe if you do animation, you could do like a little animation storytelling. It doesn't have to be like a good animation. It could just be like a couple images you're stretching and squashing in the drawing program. But an animated story. Bam. We have five types of videos right there. You're going to make a, you're going to make three of each. Okay. And just try to actively make every single one of them better. Then after you post all these videos, we're going to look back and we're going to look at the views, pick your five highest viewed videos, pick your four, your five lowest viewed videos. Why are these your five highest? Try to analyze any similarities they have. Keep making those, keep making the topic. If the five worst ones, bye-bye, we're going to throw them out. Also, I acknowledge why. Was your intro wrong? Was the video too long? Was the topic too boring? Did you just get no no one commented and you got no engagement with it? Well, we can make the engagement better, but we're going to learn from the worst five videos and we're not going to do those again. Unless you truly, truly believe in this one concept and you think this concept could be done really well and it just wasn't executed well, okay, let's take it and let's rework it. But we're just going to keep rinsing and repeating and tossing out the worst five and improving on the best five. And you can like narrow down your content from there to get to get it to be better. Um, three, and th- this will feed back to your Twitch. Three, um, network. Networking is actually really important. I would credit networking to a, a big reason why it grew in the beginning because I just made a lot of streamer friends that were also playing League. And like they would raid me, I would raid them, and I was able to grow quickly because of these people that I knew. And I was still like friends with them to this day. So networking is really important. A lot of people are like, I don't know how to network. I don't know how to make, like meet streamer peoples. Dude, it's just like making friends but they're just Twitch streamers. So the same way you would make friends with anybody, like approach them with the same like genuineness. I don't, I don't think that's a word, but like, you know, approach them in the same way you would approach a friend. Like how, how did you befriend your current friends? Like, you know, just be true to yourself. Don't expect anything out of them. 
And, you know, I always just say, you know, like maybe if in the beginning offer to play off stream. So that way there is nothing to be gained so that you can show that you're genuine and da, 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 da. and only approach people if you genuinely have good intent. Like some people are like, cat, how do I either somebody that I want to be friends with? I don't know how to not be clout chasey. And like if you are clout chasey, people can tell. And if you have good intentions, people can tell. And that's just kind of it. Like if I like when I approach people, I have genuine intentions. If I think you're cool, I want to be friends with you. And that's it. Like, if you think that I have bad intentions, then either I horrifically effed up somewhere, which I don't think is the case, or you might just not be looking for friends at this time. And that's okay. But it is what it is. Um, and then point number four is to stick with a consistent stream schedule. And it is more important than people think. Because, like, the story that I always tell, back in college, there was this one restaurant. And I really like this restaurant. And it was on the top of the hill in my college because Berkeley is really hilly. And they sold these, like, um beef roll pancakes and i absolutely love it and it's very rarely made to a way that i like but this place made it this dude opened this restaurant whatever the hell he felt like it literally i said seven to seven it was not seven <laughs> to seven it was whenever he felt like it some days he does not open the restaurant oh some days God. it would be closed at five but he was open earlier like this dude opened it whenever he felt like it so why would i want to walk up this stupid hill to go see if he's open just for him to maybe not be open. Like, that's just too much mm. work. So I would only go check out his store if I happened to be in the area on that side of the hill already. And then I would maybe go cross the street to look at it and see if it's open. And if it's not, I would leave. But I it doesn't know, matter how good his freaking beef roll pancakes were because he was so inconsistent at whatever this dude opened his restaurant. I did not go because it like half the time there was no food because he was closed. Same thing with your stream. Doesn't matter like how good your stream is if you stream whatever the hell you feel like it then you're not going to get as many people coming into your stream because they simply won't know when you're live. They're not going to yeah. go out of their way to be like, oh, you know, like, let me go to my computer and open up Twitch to see if Kat Leante's live because she sometimes streams at this time. But last couple of weeks, she wasn't here. I don't know. You know, like to get people to consistently come back to grow, you need to have a consistent schedule. And I would say the fifth thing is to constantly be iterating upon your content and making it better. And I did talk about this in point three, but um, sometimes we kind of get into like a fixed mindset. I kind of don't like using the like these terms because it sounds very, you know, like finance bro-ish. But, you know, like the like the fixed mindset is literally like a where you get stuck into a little pity party about yourself and you're like, this is it. Like people don't want to watch me because I suck you know at the end of the day like we all have value to give and there will be people that will enjoy watching you but sometimes it's your content that's holding you back and you need to make your content better and again it's nothing wrong with you as a person it's not saying that you like have any less value to give as a creator but it is kind of saying your editing doesn't need to work you know but we can we like we can, we can remove your personal feelings out of it and just Slow, try to make your content better every single time every time you stream not maybe not every time but every couple of times you stream try to do something new every like couple of weeks when you're posting vertical videos try to change it up a little bit try to implement a new editing technique so we can always be improving on our previous stuff and that's how you get better so sorry that was a big long-winded no, ramble was- about my five tips an awesome answer. I think that's really, really, really valuable. And it's, it was crazy. It's like, there was no um or us. You've just went right through. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, how can you possibly have such an organized mind? That is amazing. It's no, not it very just, organized. <laughs> well, it just makes sense. I think it's just, you're speaking from experience and from a strength clearly, and you're able to articulate it because you've tried it. And in a way, it's almost like you've tested these things and they're proven <laughs> to work. You really were kind of your own test subject. I think it's awesome. 
I've done a lot of testing on my own content a lot. Yeah. I mean, even the first point, like making, I don't, I forget. It was like 10 videos and like throwing out the ones that didn't work. It's a, you're mm-hmm. literally a B testing. Exactly. It's no, it was awesome. I thought it was great. Yeah. No, it's Thank really, you. really great. So you also offer coaching calls to streamers who want to grow their audience, right? Yeah. So how do you structure these calls? I'm curious, like as a teacher, um, how you how do you structure them? But also, what advice would you give to someone who wants to deliver really impactful coaching sessions that transform students' lives? Ooh, I would say twofold. So I kind of cater it towards a student. Like, student, it's so funny calling them students. I know. But it depends on whatever the person wants. So, which sucks because it's so vague. But some people, for instance, they go in and they are they just tell me, "Cat, I am so lost with my socials. Help me with everything." And I I got you. And that's like one boat of people, a good chunk of people come in like that. Some people are like, Kat, I pr- feel like I'm pretty good on my socials, which I will still look at. But Kat, how do I monetize? Teach me. Like, I want to make get sponsorships. I want to make money. Teach me how to do that. So that is like another boat of people. Another boat of people specifically wants to focus on one platform only. So they're like, hey, I have a YouTube channel. I think it's looking pretty good. I don't know how to make vertical short form videos. Can you teach me how to go and implement this on TikTok? So I always ask people what they are looking for out of the call before we get into the call so I can structure it in a way that will suit them. So recently, some of the, I did like three yesterday. So with these people, um, most of them were just kind of like overarch, overarching kind of lost in their social media and they just wanted to be guided back onto the right path for their social media. So First off, I just did, um, I talked to them, you know, like, how are you? Da, da, da. And then we did an overarching conceptual brainstorm because they were lost in whatever content path they wanted to go down. So sometimes it depends on the person. Sometimes you have to pry some info out of them. Sometimes you can just, you know, they're, they're an open book and they're spilling info from the start. So it's really just asking, hey, what do you, what kind of content do you want to make? What makes you happy to create? What I always like to ask them, what are your goals one year from now? Like one year from now, if you were to see your content, what do you want from your content? And be as far-fetched, as unrealistic as you think you you like you could be. Because a lot of people don't like to speak their goals out loud because they think it's unrealistic. I was like that too. But I feel like once you speak it into an existence, you get a better feel for your dream and your con- and what you want. And then you can better bring it into fruition. So asking what they want depends on what they describe. Then we can kind of cater down a little bit. So some people are like, I just want a really wholesome community that is always there for me. And I don't really care about like anything beyond that. And some people really want to monetize it and go full time. So knowing their dream also helps me kind of guide it a little better. Most of the time I do wing it though. Um, but it just from experience of just feeling how the person is what their person is looking for but the overarching brainstorm is kind of like okay so what content are you creating now what part of it makes you happy what you don't what do you not like about this content one year from now what content would you like to see from yourself and based on the answers they give me i try to guide them in the better direction so some people will say that they like the content they're making at the moment and they want to stick with it fine that's all good we can go down this route some people are like i'm not happy with what i'm making right now i i want to change it and they just don't know how to swap. So now I'm like, okay, now we identify that you don't like your content. We identify that you want to swap it to something else. So let's go down that route. So what has been interesting you? What are your passions? A lot of people also, they 
have something they've been doing. Let's say like they're doing league content, but they don't know how to diverse, how to make themselves stand out. So I always, I try to ask them, okay, so what else are you passionate about? What do you think makes you unique? Like what's different about you? Sometimes I try to suggest things like, oh, I'm like, oh, like gauging from you, I think you're like this, this, this. I would suggest content ideas to them. But sometimes if I don't know the person very well, I kind of have to go off self-reported stuff. Because <laughs> I, if I just don't know you then, or depending on like the call, if I just couldn't get enough info out of you, then there's only so much I can give you back. But like one person I did a call with yesterday, I gave them a whole bunch of suggestions that they really liked because they kind of were like a middle-aged dad who's trying to get into content creation. And I was like, it, you seem like a very sweet, very wholesome person who is very loving and cares a lot about your family and is really passionate. And, you know, you've done a lot of things in your life. You have a lot of experience. Now you're on this new journey of content creation. I was like, why don't you also take a leg of like sharing this with the community, with everyone, the experience of being a middle-aged guy who has a family, has responsibilities, but is really trying to do something that you personally really want to do for a long time. And I was like, I know a lot of people who are in your same position who have never seen somebody like them do something like this. And I think you have the passion and energy to share it with people. And this would also be a good, like another level to your content that would diversify you from other people that are doing the same thing. And he really liked the idea. So a lot of times I suggest ideas to them and see how they feel about it. And then we can like tune it based on what they want. And then I go under their socials and rip them a new one. And I'm like, you need to change this. You need to do this. Your editing needs to be this. But I like to do a lot of brainstorming so we can kind of like conceptualize ideas together. But I try not to like directly force ideas onto people and kind of go off of how they seem and what they seem to be leaning towards to give them ideas. I would love to hear about what tools or programs you can't live without because I saw you use Notion. Um, oh, yeah. So maybe it's for organization, content creation. It can be anything, but because you're so online, what are the tools that you're like, yeah, if this went away, I would really have to figure stuff out in a whole new way. If Notion went down, I use it to track a lot of ideas I have. I keep my content ideas in there. I mainly use it to track my sponsorships. Mm. So if that went down, I would be screwed. <laughs> my sponsor, I have it on my coffee for free, but I, I literally use the same sponsorship tracker. It's so helpful. I use because my ADHD is all over the place and I'm not an organized person at all, but I try to force myself to be when it involves my work. Mm. So Notion is a big one. If that went down, I'd be dead. Google Calendar went down. Um, I love my Google Calendar. I love calendars. Um, and then Premiere Pro. I love Premiere Pro. I've used other editing softwares. I like Premiere Pro. Photoshop, can't live without Photoshop. I've used a ton of other graphic design softwares. I keep going back to Photoshop. The powers of Photoshop is insane. The fact I use it to make Etsy stuff, the fact that you can automate tasks in Photoshop so I can automate it to where if I have a Twitch panel, I can automatically populate all 38 words I want on there is insanely helpful. I so, didn't know that. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It just takes like 20,000 years to set up the task. But once you set up the task, it is insanely helpful. It makes my life 20,000 times easier when it comes to that. I tr I don't know how to code, but I really tried. There's ways to code it to where you could like fully customize it. And I really tried it and I was almost there and I somehow broke the code somewhere in the end and I don't know what happened to it. I will try again one day. I really do want to learn how to code. That's a totally side thing because I think you it's totally so powerful. You totally could. I just don't think in the way that computers do. I took a CS class at Berkeley, which like Berkeley mm. CS classes are notorious, notoriously hard, but that's probably why I failed because I had no prior knowledge going into it. I could not think in the way the program or the code thought. In. Mm. I, I was just, it's like when you go on a date and you just clearly are not vibing with the other person. That's just how I felt with yeah, <laughs> I thought it was just not we were not vibing like at all. I just did not understand it. 
So I don't know, maybe, maybe one day I'll go, I'll try to try to get yeah. back into it. Um, I also definitely could not live without Live 2D, which is an animation software. I really love Live 2D a lot. And if it went down, I would be really sad. I don't know how to, I would not know how to make these skeletal animated emotes anymore. It doesn't make as much sense in After Effects. So yeah, those would be my my set programs. It's so funny that earlier you were telling us you were worried that you didn't have skills needed to get into an esports org. And now you're like telling us about all these different, you have like a billion different skills, man. <laughs> yeah, that would be perfect for that industry. It's so funny. I was talking to a friend who's trying to learn Photoshop and they were like, it's so not intuitive. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I've had to relearn it so many times, mm -hmm. but it is so powerful. But I agree. After Effects, I opened that and I'm like, mm, I'm going to force quit that now. I don't want to look at that again. We have a oh, really yeah. awesome editor who's going to be watching this and he's in After Effects. And I'm like, thank God, because it's so crazy. No, my favorite thing for After Effects, I go on Google and on YouTube and I look up how to do something, something effect. And they just give a bunch of code and I just copy paste it. I'm like, okay, oh. I, don't, I don't know what happened, what's happening in here, but it looks okay. <laughs> so whatever. I don't know. I just, all I know is how to copy and paste stuff in there. I love a copy paste. That's my oh, yeah. favorite tool. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, you recently hosted Creator Royale, which is yes. a content creator competition to see who can improve the most in a one month window. So can you tell us, first of all, like how did it go? And then tell us the story of why you decided to create this. Ooh, so it's not over yet, actually. Okay. It's a long competition, so it's not over yet. Um, we have cut down to the top 55 applicants and tomorrow, so when this goes up, when this goes live, it would have already happened, but tomorrow um, we're cutting down to the top 25 people. And I'm going to dump the top 25 people into a Discord server together, and we are going to grind content. I said grind together, and the people in chat were like, Kat, you cannot be saying that. I was like, okay, <laughs> you're actually right. That sounds really bad. Um, but I was inspired by Streamer Camp. So I was part of Streamer Camp. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kat. Also, fun facts. I shot national competitive archery for seven years oh, and trained oh. at the Olympic Training Center, gave a TED Talk, and once drank 10 bobas on stream. That's oh. so many bobas. I did not make the top the top 12 um, due to, I would say, largely my own life circumstances. I was home. It was nine days of in a dis being in a Discord server, and I was home for two out of the nine days because I was working in actually Boston. And then I went to Austin and went to SF. So I was not there. But I took I took the elements I really liked of Streamer Camp, and I put it together in this competition, and I removed the elements that I didn't like of it. And I really wanted to make a competition where streamers could grow together because I was think honestly, this is a whole side thing. There's this one girl that is a content creator. I should probably tell her this, but seeing her, like, she just makes me like she just I don't know. If I had a little sister, I wanted to be her. Like, she just looks she is always so passionate about content creation. She always is like working so hard in her content, etc. And Every time I see her, because she just gives me like little sister vibes, I'm always like, damn, I really wish I could just be like her big sister mentor and just like, you know, tell her these things that she could do to help her content. And like, the thing is, again, I always could just reach out and do it. But then I always have the feeling I'm like, but other people are going to be like, yeah, but like, why not me? And then, you know, and then I don't want to step on other people's toes by only offering this to literally one person. But she just like, I don't know, seeing her and her content just like makes me feel some type of way. And I'm like, I want to give you a hug. So that she actually largely, she doesn't know it, but was she actually entered and there was something else 
that was really unfortunate that happened. But um, it was actually also largely inspired by her because I was like, I would have loved to do something like this with her. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this and run this whole competition. It's going to be free. And then I was like, I would love to have all the streamers in the world in it, but I can't manage a Discord server with like too many people in it. This just, it makes my head hurt. So 25 people, that's going to be it. And it's me plus like two mods running it. And I was like, I'm just every single, every single week going to go like give these guys pointers, give these guys tips on like how they could improve and make their content better. And we're just going to see who can grow the most. It's not also just completely numerical. So it's going to be um, also like how much did I think you skills you learned as a creator, which is a little bit more vague. But I think also straight numbers isn't going to be fully fair because sometimes like you can't fully predict the algorithm. And like as much as I say the algorithm isn't an omniscient being that like chooses creators to go hate and like shadow ban. But sometimes like you fully get it. But just it takes a little bit for it to show in the numbers. And so I don't think that would be fully fair if I went straight off numbers. But um, there was like multi steps to this challenge. So 430 people entered, which is insane. Everyone had to submit a one minute video introducing themselves and their content. We watched it on stream. Mods and I picked the top 100. And then I put them in a head to head bracket to where I would show two creators at a time. Chat would pick one person to go through. I, I purposely built this bracket and um, I like hand selected every person because I picked people that were similar in energy levels, similar in personality, like extroverts against each other, put VTubers together, similar creators, like um, FPS creators against each other. And I'm taking everything I from events that I've been in that people hated, like pain points of it and removing it from my competition. I did, there was this, an app called Hover a while back where it was like, you know, supposed to be an app for streamers and creators, whatever. The whole thing, they they did a lot of clip challenges where you submitted a clip and they put you head to head and the winner would win like $50. The problem with Hover, the pain point people had was they were like, dude, it's only extroverts winning because it makes sense. Well, as an extrovert, right? In 30 seconds, it's so much easier for an extrovert to show personality than an introvert. Like people who are introverted or like more quiet in personality tend to like, they take a longer time to show their personality. So it's not really fair to pit a very quiet, like wholesome streamer against some like G fuel juiced up call of duty streamer. <laughs> so that's why I purposely built the bracket for my head to head to try to eliminate that pain point. And then we got down to the top 50, but I did a redemption round. So people could submit a 30 second video begging for forgiveness. And we did a single Elam bracket on stream. I brought five people back. I intended to bring back two, but I, it was too hard to pick. So I brought back five. Um, the, the top, the top four in the quarterfinals in my single Elam bracket, plus one other person because they tied the person that made it into the quarterfinals. So we brought back five. So now we have 55 people, but judges and I are going to choose the top 25. So we're going to watch their videos on stream tomorrow and judges and I will pick after, and we're going to have the top 25. So the one month discord challenge will start in like two days. Wow. That's super exciting. Yeah. It's really the cool. first time I've hosted a competition to the scale. But a lot of people have heard about it. A lot of people really like it. So this is validating to me as a creator. I was really scared about this competition because it's the scale is so large to where I was like, oh, God, I don't want anything to mess up in this thing. But if it does go well, then I want to pitch it to companies in the future so they can maybe sponsor it. Maybe we can offer creators like a bigger prize for winning, etc. I purposely didn't make a big prize pool because I didn't want people to be upset if they lost. Hmm. It feels, what is the prize? Oh, it's only $250 on a Stream Deck Plus for first place. And then like $100 for second, $50 for third. The reason I didn't make the big prize pool, I'm fielding it myself because I don't have a sponsor for it. Elgato, well, Elgato gave me a Stream Deck to give away. So bless them. But 
the reason being losing because you didn't grow enough already feels bad. And then I gave a PC away in my talent show. And then losing a PC on top of that, I feel like would feel even worse. So I was like, I don't know. For this, I feel like I shouldn't offer a very large prize pool because it's it would feel really bad. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe people would want a larger prize pool and I could hit up companies later and ask them to give me a PC or something. <laughs> I don't know. This is my first time running it. So I'm just seeing how it goes. Yeah. You could do a survey after and see what people say. Yeah. That's true. That's a good call. I did that last time with my talent show too. That's cool. That's awesome. What a cool competition. Yeah. I, I love that w- when you were evaluating them, you were doing it on stream and then like everybody mm-hmm. was kind of like participating and giving in their own thoughts as yeah. well. That's like, I've never seen that. That's so cool. I was going to ask about that. Is that weird? Like, say you have a really intense reaction to something and you're like, oh, that was weird that someone said, like, say someone said something offensive. I don't know mm-hmm. what, exactly what it would be or it'd be something where you it, like immediately you almost have um, a reaction to it. How do you handle that if it's already on stream and you um, have to be a little more positive? In terms of like video submissions to my show or like in general, if somebody were in chat. And oh, I just people. mean like the video submissions, because if you're viewing them on stream, it's almost oh. like instead of meeting with the mods privately and being like, okay, that definitely wasn't that good. We should mm-hmm. get rid of this person, whatever. Um, how do oh, you no, handle mods that? pre-reviewed the content. So we have already eliminated okay. people. Yeah. Because which I paid them for their labor. So they've already watched it all off stream because they watched all the, to make sure it's in a, make sure it's appropriate to show on stream. Mm-hmm. So we throw out everybody with DMCA music because I explicitly said no DMCA music. Some people didn't listen. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't show it on stream. It'll mute the audio and I'll get in trouble with Twitch. And then some people submitted videos that should not be shown on stream. So that's it. But I mean, there, uh, I can't remember specifics, but there, I remember there was like, some something like a couple of videos where I was like, oh, this was out of pocket. Like I didn't see this one coming or something. And or wait, no, it wasn't it wasn't that. It was like mm. their link was broken. That was it. It wasn't oh. like their video itself was wrong. It was like I opened it and they gave me a link to something else. Like no idea what the link was. But it was weird because it worked earlier when my mods checked it. Because mm. I every link that they flagged, I myself opened too. So all the people that were approved, I like was checking around the links. They all look good. So then I mm. opened it on stream and one person, I just, they linked me like straight up just TikTok or something like a random TikTok video that was not theirs. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what is this? And I was like, uh, and I was like, oh, you know, like I think streaming, a part of streaming is like the art of BSing and covering things up. So I was like, oh, they must've submitted the wrong link. All right, moving on next person. And then yeah. Just dealing and with I just, it in the moment. Oh yeah. That happens with everything. Like. Even when I get hate rated, um, I've had people dox me and just don't acknowledge it and you move on. Like, that's it. Yeah. Delete yeah. the comment. I don't even say anything about it. Just move on. Don't show any reaction. Yeah. There you go. I was, it's kind of on the same um, topic. What is your self care and mental health routine or practice as someone who spends a ton of time online and forward facing? Mm. I would say, honestly, I didn't really have much of like a mental health or self-care routine for a very long time because I'm just a workaholic. So it's like, uh-huh, why self-care when I can do more work? Lols. <laughs> um, but only recently I started doing like self-care stuff. I think it's just like, honestly, just indulging in things that I want to indulge in guilt-free. I love reading webtoons. I read a lot of webtoons. I'm reading one right now. Um, so it's just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to lounge around and do this. And recently I've been telling myself, Kat, you're just going to have days these two days a week at least where you do nothing like and for the problem with me is like i really like making money so i'm like can't do anything that involves making money 
So if it's like art, okay, cool. Just can't draw Twitch emotes because you're going to sell that on Etsy. Or like, I literally have like to like tell myself that in my head or like, okay, you can lay down and just like play nine games of TFT straight. All good, you know, YOLO. And then just don't feel guilty about it. It's it's for like your, your rest, etc. I feel I personally don't need, this is just me personally, don't need much like mental health self-care because, well, I'm a little cocky, but I'm very confident in myself so it takes a That's lot great. to like knock me down mentally so i'm pretty much chilling there but it's like the physical where it's like i overwork myself a lot mm-hmm. how do you think you got that way why are you so tough <laughs> bullying well <laughs> <laughs> even when i was a kid i was always just like very blissfully ignorant about everything so it's like i was always like a little a little quirky a little weird Little, little weird kid. Um, it is what it is, but it wasn't like because I've always just been very, even as a kid, pretty self assured. Like, if I like something, I like it. I don't really want to change it for somebody else, etc. The only problem is I was just a little ignorant, which is why my toxic ex was able to feed me information and I bought mm-hmm. it because, again, was not doing any other second research because I was just ignorant. But I've always just been like, I have people who are just kind of like, oh, you know, they would say things. They'd be like, are you sure about this? Like, oh, you know, you're like kind of like an e-girl streamer or whatever. And I'm like, dude, just shut up. <laughs> like, I've always been more of like a, like people in the day, they were like, they would refer to it as like a bra girl, kind of like that's what I got called. But it's because like, I was just always very self-assured and what I wanted and I will only do things that I want, which is like, I guess part of like, Maybe low-key narcissistic, but not even. I think everybody should be selfish and everybody should put themselves first. And I, I am a firm believer. I always put myself first and I only do things that I want to do. I've always been like that. So yeah. That's such a great answer. <laughs> it is a really good answer. I mean, I don't even think it's selfish because I think when you show up for yourself, you can show up for mm-hmm. other people. Exactly. You got to be your biggest advocate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're coming to the end and... Mm. Um, what we have started to do on the podcast is sort of paying it forward to other creators. Wait, Katie, wait, 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 Katie. Sorry. I have one more question. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we can cut no. this. No, it's all good. My bad. What are some memorable mistakes you've made as a content creator? Like me. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> nice meta. I once doxed my credit card buying League of Legends skins. <laughs> I wish I was joking. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I doxed it. I was literally buying RP to buy some skins, and I doxed my entire credit card. So that was lit. I doxed my <laughs> IP address once because if you go to a an, an, uh, VPN website, it will show your IP address on the top of the website. Learn from my experience. It does do that. Um, I've had people dox my address on stream. Well, that was not my mistake. That was their mistake. Um one time where I forgot to end stream after I was streaming and then I was kind of like smack talking somebody on my stream because they were being kind of weird but at the time I didn't ban them because I was a small streamer I should have just banned them um but I was like kind of smack talking them and mm-hmm. call and my stream wasn't over they were just there I didn't explicitly name them but they they kind of knew <laughs> Raids don't end your stream, guys. Just letting you know. And ban the weird people. Just just do it. <laughs> I should have just banned them, to be honest. So that That's was a me. solid list. Hopefully the listeners can avoid doxing themselves. <laughs> oh yeah. I made a lot of videos telling you how to not dox yourself because I've done it many times. Hmm. Not fun. Don't do it. <laughs> 
Awesome. Oh my gosh. Katie, take it away. Pretend it didn't happen. Um, so can you shine the spotlight on another creator? Who do you enjoy watching, whether it's streaming, TikTok, or anything else? Oh my God. Picking just one is going to be really, really hard. You can do more than one. Yeah. You don't have to do it. It's just the idea of like, okay, someone comes on the podcast. We want them also to um, promote somebody else that mm, okay. they're a fan of. I saw you reviewing Quarter Jade's merch recently. That was nice. Oh, oh God. I can't wait for her merch to come in. Oh my God. I spent $200 on it. It's I'm, I'm so looking forward to her merch. It's Ah, it looks so cute. Okay. Um, in terms of creators that I absolutely love, one Lucrity, she helped me out so much when I first started streaming. You don't even know. Like she honestly like was a huge inspiration as to why I do streaming advice because she helped me so much and she didn't gatekeep any information when it came to helping me as a streamer that How I do you wanted write to her pay name? forward. Lucrity. So L U wait. L U C R I T Y. Okay. She goes by Kathy, but Lucrity is her handle. Um and then well, I don't know if I should recommend this person. Vinius and Ferb. He was the first person I ever coached for streaming, but he makes keyboard videos. And because of him, I spent a lot of money recently because he kept making keyboard videos and they look really good. So I bought a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love his keyboard videos. I love Lowe's content. I take a lot of inspiration from him. He makes these like day in the life vlog videos, but they just look so cinematic, film like. Cinematic. Cinematic. Yeah, that's the thank you, (laughs) Katie. That's the word I was looking for. They look so cinematic. They just look so pretty and nice. And I love the style of his editing. So I take a lot of inspiration from him that I try to use in my videos. I don't really watch stream advice people, so I can't really give recs to any of those because I just try not to watch other people who make similar content to me because I don't want to accidentally get influenced by somebody and Mm. then have that because I create so much content but my I'm so forgetful that I am afraid of watching somebody's video and then having and like accidentally regurgitating out their information so I just literally avoid all of those people as much as possible which is no fault to them it's just me I don't want to accidentally like get brainwashed into that um god it is so hard to just come up with like a few people off the top of my head I think that's a good Uh, start yeah Yeah, also I love that big shout out to my um, boyfriend oh sorry what I was going to say, like, it's interesting that some people, they actually will study their competitors just to, like, avoid saying what they say and, like, trying to consciously be different. But I love that, like, the op- the complete opposite thing works for you, which is just, mm-hmm. like, ignore them entirely. Yeah, I mean, because for me, it's kind of like, I don't know what I don't know. So I I feel like this is at least my personal take. I feel like I think that's why I'm able to keep my content kind of, like, more unique because I don't consume other people's content remotely of any regard that does streaming advice content. The ideas that I come up are like uniquely and genuinely my own so that if it is similar to somebody else, it's not because I intended to it either. We probably just both came up with really good ideas Hmm. Mm -hmm. or maybe I saw it and completely forgot, but I, I really just, every time I see it on my 40 page, yeet swipe. I don't, (laughs) I don't even watch past like one second because I really don't want to accidentally watch it and get influenced. Yeah. No, that's a that's it's so funny because Mo brought it up. We talked to someone who said the opposite, but mm. if it works, I mean, it's either way uh, if it benefits you. But I like yours because it saves you time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's easy. Just don't consume it, and then you're good. You know. Yeah. I just research ideas on my own, like on Google or whatever, whatever pops in my head. There you go. Um, what it's a piece of content oh wait sorry katie i think she was gonna name a few more oh yeah keep going i was gonna name my boyfriend because 
Oh my god! Sorry, I'm like the biggest interrupter today. Jeez. No, it's all good, no, dude. It's Keep okay. Going. I do the same. I feel like I feel like it's just if you have ADHD, your brain's like Boo, sometimes constantly. I, I feel you. I feel constantly. you. It's all good. But yeah, I would say boyfriend. He sometimes streams, but he's been an absolute help to me. So absolutely love that. Um, and God, I'm like, there's so many people that I know I want to name, but like off the top of my head it's not coming to you. oh and one in canon um esme underscore ilu they're my two mods that are helping me run creator royale i love them very much very near and dear to my heart they're very sweet and genuine people and they both stream so yeah that's it oh awesome mm-hmm. okay what's a piece of content tv show anime game that you're currently obsessed with and why oh my god okay also can be more than one. Ooh, okay. Well, first off, Attack on Titan. Uh, the finals episode just dropped, and I love Attack on Titan so much. I literally love it. Oh, God. Levi's my husband, and I can't <laughs> believe it ended. Like, I literally didn't even kind of want to watch the ending because I didn't want it to end in my heart. <sighs> so relatable. Because then it's over. Now that I finish, it's literally over. And then I'm currently reading a webtoon called The Villainess Turns the Hourglass. It was recommended to me by a friend. It's really good. It's a webtoon in which the villainess actually is a villainess because sometimes they just get really soft. And I'm like, well, but you're not supposed to, you're not like, evil. You're supposed to be evil in the plot, but you're not. <laughs> so I really like this one. This one's really good. And then in terms of games that I am obsessed with, I'm currently obsessed with this game called Moonlight. Uh, sorry, Moonstone Island. Why am I saying Moonlighter? That's a different game. Moonstone <laughs> Island. It's like a farming sim game, but you're like a little alchemist. And then you can go fly on a glider or broomstick to other islands so it's like unique to farming sims because it's like it's a farming sim but also with the concept of pokemon to where you can collect these pokemon like characters and it's um plays like the battling sequence plays like slay the spire with cards so it's very interesting oh and pokemon go i recently got back into pokemon go i'm obsessed there was Booper day the other day and i forced my boyfriend to go like drive us an hour away to some place to the marina so that I could go and like walk around and collect whoopers. I didn't even know people were still playing Pokemon Go like that. Damn. Dude, it's because he played in a Pokemon card game tournament and I wanted to be a supportive girlfriend so I went, but there really wasn't much to do hmm. because I, I knew it. I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew it was going to be 10 hours of sitting outside and playing Suica, the Suica fruit game. But then people, there was a Pokemon Go tournament happening too and I ran into somebody that I knew who was playing in it. So I was like, let me go download it. And then I got hooked since then, so... It is what it is. Oh, okay. This is completely random, but one of the reasons I'm so excited about like augmented reality and like mixed reality is because mm-hmm. in a few years, we're all going to be able to just like put on glasses and re-experience Pokemon Go, except it'll feel like it's there in real life. Like that's going to be so cool. Oh, that would be so crazy. And you, oh my God, I, I, they need to make a VR Pokemon Go. Holy crap. I will be the first person to buy it. Oh my god, that's I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that yet. So I, I'm pretty sure they're working on it because the company that makes Pokemon Go, like Niantic, they're called. They're doing a lot of research on like augmented reality games and stuff like that. And so obviously the first iteration was like just with your phone's camera, but they're working yeah. on the glasses stuff for sure. Oh my god, that's really cool. I remember I'm the so summer. Excited. I remember the summer when everybody went outside. Twenty sixteen. Like, oh. No, it was. No, you're right. It was twenty sixteen. You're totally right. Um, yeah, that was crazy. That was a crazy time. Um, any final words you want to leave the audience with? I'm hmm. sad this is over. 
Sad. I would say, honestly, my final recs at the end of the day, just like stay true to yourself as a creator and like work with yourself, not against yourself. Don't it's easy to look at other people and compare and be like, this person's working this much or this person's doing this much. Like we're all different and your content creation career will be a very long one. So don't run too fast and then burn out too soon. So and just do things that make you happy. That's like the most important thing. I love that. That's really great. Um, and where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitch and in uh, and TikTok under the handle Catliente. It's like Caliente in Spanish, but with K-A-T in the front. And no, my name is not Katie. It's Cat. People always mispronounce it because it looks like Katie if you're not paying attention. It's um, like Lee. <laughs> yeah, it's like Catliente, <laughs> like that, not like Katie. But That's so um, on Instagram, it's catliente.ttv because I couldn't get Catliente. And on Twitter, it's Catliente, but with three E's at the end instead of one because I also couldn't get Caliente on there. You should be able to get it at this point. It's a dead account that was made in 2012 with one follower. Yeah, but can't you, on Instagram, you can talk to the people at Instagram and be like, I want this. Instagram, the person actually does exist. It's Twitter that is like the complete dead account from 2012. Oh, okay. You got to tweet Elon. Mm-hmm. I know at Elon. Can I please get the handle Catliente so I can stop using the one with three E's because Catliente just looks so much nicer. It's definitely possible. Hopefully in the future. It's like yeah. when people have just their name as their Instagram handle. They finessed I it. I mean, because again, he said that he was going to free up a bunch of dead accounts, and I'm like, this account's been dead since 2012. There's yeah. literally one follower, no profile photo, nothing, no tweet ever made on the account. Is it an egg? And zero people is following. Is the profile <laughs> photo an egg? It, no, it's a little person. So it's because they changed it. There's no, it's no longer the egg. No, it's no longer the egg. I'm not yeah. a Twitter person, but hmm, that's really sad. Actually, no, they changed it. I miss the egg days. Yeah, the egg was cute. All right, Kat, this was amazing. Kat Liente, this was amazing. Thanks so much for your advice. This was an awesome episode, jam packed with great tips and fun and talks about boba. And yeah, we were so happy to have you. This episode was recorded with StreamYard. If you want to record a podcast like this, check out the link in the description to get started. Thanks for joining us on Inside the Creator Studio. See you next time.